You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. King weekend. Great to see everybody. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you turn to Luke chapter number 13? Luke chapter number 13. Or you can download our brand new church app. You can just text Southridge app to 77977. Download the app. The notes are already uploaded there. And uh, that's the uh, what I say call the easy way because they're already filled in. You say, yep, I'm, I've had a hard week. I'm tired. I'm too tired to even fill in the notes. It's all right. They're on there. And I'm so glad to see each and every one of you. I hope you had a great week. Looking forward to even just uh, being together. Thank you for spending time on your Sunday morning. We're in a series entitled Arrows. And we're looking at this idea of why is it every year kind of so hard to finish the year like we wanted to. I mean, we set up all these great goals, all these plans, all these uh, ideas for what we're going to accomplish. And then we end the year and we look back and we feel like, I haven't actually done anything. I didn't, I didn't accomplish my goals. And isn't it interesting that you and I can have the same goals as somebody who runs a Fortune 500 company, somebody who's uh, uh, prolific in their job and they're just very successful. We can have the same goals. But why is the outcomes different? And it's not the goal is what we're learning. We're learning it's not the target. What we're learning is the fact that I can have the right target, but if my trajectory is off, I'll never hit the target. It doesn't matter what target is. It doesn't matter if I set the target to read my Bible through this year if I never open my Bible to read. It doesn't matter if I decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to work at my marriage this year if I never work at my marriage. You say, oh, I want a better relationship. Oh, hey, I want to have this much money in my bank, but yet if I'm always spending it, that's the exact opposite of what I want to accomplish. So we said in week number one, we looked at deciding what our target was and and, and focusing on that this year. And so that was week number one. We said it's living towards the target because I have to not only have a target, but also have to bring my trajectory in line with that target. There has to be alignment. There has to be. 
Uh, I was given a video this week that was showing how archers will shoot a bow and arrow. And they were saying there's got to be alignment in their body with the target. And I thought, how perfect is that? That we've got to be in alignment if we're going to hit that target. So that was week number one. And we looked at the scripture passage where the writer of Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. That's our target, isn't it? It's looking unto Jesus. That's where we start with. Everything uh, centers around Jesus. You want to have a better relationship, center it on Christ. You want to do better in your parenting, center it on Christ. You want to do better in your career, center that career on Christ. Whatever you decide to do this year, if you just start with Christ and build off of that, you've got a stronger foundation. And then last week, we looked at the how. We talked about the how. We said, that's great that we've got the target, we've got alignment. But then last week, we dealt with the how. And we talked about the fact that we need a routine. And we looked at the fact that I need to begin with a routine in mind. And we looked at the passage where the Apostle Paul talked about runners and how they have self-control, how they have discipline. And we looked at, if I've got a target, that's great. But if I don't have a routine to get me towards that target, guess what? I'll never hit the target. But it's one thing to have a routine. We need to have a reason why we have the routine. So we also talked about our reason. What's that, what's that deep motivation? What's that thing that's driving us? Well, this week, we come to part three. And this is probably my favorite part of the series, but it's also the hardest part. You say, why is it so hard? Because it hits me right where I don't like to kind of be messed with. You say, why? Because it deals with this idea of having peace in the process. Having peace in the process. Because here's what I've realized. You and I will set goals, we'll have targets, we'll have aims, but then we don't always hit it right away. It takes time. We get frustrated. Uh, Sometimes what I want is a perfect marriage right now. Or I just want my children to behave right now. Or I just want the money that I hope to save in my account right now. Or I just want the career that I want right now. I just want to be dating the person I want to be dating right now. I just want to be married right now. Whatever you're thinking. I want that new car right now. And that's kind of hard because that's not how life is built, is it? It doesn't just happen right now. So what I'm learning is that there is a way for the believer to have peace in the process Even though it's very difficult, even though it's hard, we can still have peace in the process. And I love this thought. Please write it down in your notes if you're taking notes. Time magnifies the margin between success and failure. It will multiply whatever you feed it. So here's what we think. We think that time is working against us, but actually time is working for us. If we have the right habits, if we have the right routines, if we put in the time and the time is working, guess what? It takes 18 years to raise a good child. It takes decades to have a strong marriage. It takes decades to build a good career. But yet we think, oh, it should just happen overnight. The things that happen overnight, guess what? We learned last week, it rarely happens overnight. And the things that come easy and come naturally and come quickly, sometimes we don't have the character or we don't have the strength to support it. So stop looking at time as the enemy. And that's what we're going to really dive into today. I love how James Clear, in his book that we looked at, Atomic Habits, which many of you have told me you've already gotten, which is really a lot of, a lot of what's helped me when it's come to habits and when it's come to this is that book. But he, I love what he says. He says, good habits make time your ally. Bad habits make time your enemy. 
If you have good habits, time's your ally because you're just getting better at things. You're, just, you're, you're building that habit of spending a date, a, a, a date with your spouse or a date with that special person in your life. You're just building that relationship. And guess what? The more time you get, guess what? It's just like going to the gym. The more reps, the more reps you get in, guess what? Your body's getting stronger. Your relationship's getting stronger. The more time in God's word, guess what? My relationship with God is getting stronger. So we understand that time then is our ally. Time's working for us. But what do we do with that? Because I know where we struggle. I know where we live. We struggle with the time, don't we? We struggle with, oh my goodness, it's going to take a long time and I'm frustrated and I just want this now. I just want this to hurry up. Have you noticed some things don't do well when we hurry them, hurry them along? You can't rush a plant, can you? You can't rush it. There's a lot of things you want to rush. You, you, I can't go out to the, my backyard where I've got some fruit trees and just be like, come on. I need, I need peaches right now. Come on, peaches, let's go, let's go. It doesn't matter if I scream at them, yell at them. It doesn't matter. They're, peaches are going to come in the summer. That's when they're going to come. They're, 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 they, they don't care about what I, what I say. They don't care about this message. I can preach this message to my peach tree. It doesn't care. It, it is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have peaches when it, when it has peaches. Why? Because there's a cycle for it. There's, it takes time. And so we're learning that rhythm. So I want to turn to Luke chapter number 13 because as I was studying this week, I felt like this passage just helped. Because in our culture today, we're all about the arrival when Jesus is about abiding in him. So let's look at Luke 13, verses 6 through 9. There's a slight hum or a whistle if we can work on that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. The sound team does a great job. I rarely, rarely have to fix anything. But today, there's just a slight hum. So if you're hearing it, I do apologize. We're working on it right now. Luke chapter number 13, notice verse number 6. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taken up space in the garden. Isn't that what we do? We say we waited on something and then when we're not seeing results, we just want it out of our life. We just say, oh, that's not producing. Let's get that out. That's just taking up space. Oh, this person, they're not living up to what I, what I dreamed they would. I just, just cut them off. Just, just mm, I'm done. I'm done. We just give up on certain things, don't we? And that's what this gardener wanted to do or, or this, uh, this owner wanted to do. And so he's saying, hey, just, just get rid of it. But notice what the wise gardener does in verse number 8. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs, hey, thank you. A new microphone, that might fix it. I love it. Maybe, we'll see. It's got a little bit of a hum, but we'll work with it. He said, maybe if we get fixed next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Now, I want to look at one other verse. John chapter number 12, verse 24. It says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. A plentiful harvest of new lives. I like that analogy. Let's go to the Lord and just ask him to pray. Can we? Let's just ask him his help. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. Lord, I pray that you would be in our sound system this morning. I pray that you would just help us. God, we want to hear from you. I pray that you would meet with us in a special way. God, I need your help this morning. I feel so strongly that we struggle with the waiting. And it's in the waiting that the greatest things happen in our life. So, Father, would you speak to each one of us this morning? Would you help us? Would we leave here better than when we came in? We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.
Why is it so hard to wait? Why is it so hard to wait for the 49ers to finally make it to the playoffs? Why is it so hard to finally, oh, I hear it's a salty people out there. Salty people. Some of you are mad. Don't be haters because your Raiders left you. All right? That wasn't my decision. They're gone. But yet it's amazing that there are certain things we wait so long for. And we just wish they would happen. And guess what? I'm just like that. I can hardly wait for anything. I, I, I have learned that, guess what? Patience is very difficult. Patience doesn't come naturally for any of us. Even for certain people, there are certain things that for you, you just say, no, I don't have the patience for it anymore. I just want it now. And then what happens is God starts doing something in your life that, that really produces the result that you and I desire so strongly. The result of a farmer is that he wants a harvest, but what does he have to do with that seed? He takes that seed and he plants it. He plants it in the ground. He covers it. He buries it. And you know what it feels like? It feels like death. And for some of you, you're sitting here. You're in a waiting season. You're in this holding pattern, and it feels like death. Like there's no other way to put it. You're waiting on God to do something. And while you're in this waiting season, you in your journal, in your quiet time, in the time that you're praying with God, you're like, God, this honestly feels like next to goodness, like I'm dying. Like emotionally, I just feel dead. God, I've waited so long. Isn't it hard to work for something for a long time only to have it not work? (laughs) Have you ever put time into something that you were working on only to not have it work? You're building something, you're making something, you're investing into something, and you spend all this time, and you go to turn it on, you go to make it work, you go to fire it up, and all of a sudden, it's not working. And you're just like, oh, I can't do it anymore. You put all this time into this relationship, you put all that time into the marriage, you put all that time into that career, into that job, into that ministry, and all of a sudden, it's not working, and you just feel like, God, I just feel like I'm dying here. But the secret is that, guess what? It's not death, it's dirt. It's not death, it's dirt. God is planting you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not persecuting you. He's planted you. Why? So that there could be more fruit in your life. It's amazing that sometimes it's our perspective that needs to change on things. That we need to say, God, in this moment, what am I not seeing here? Why am I looking at this as a negative when really this is a a powerful thing? In 2011, my wife and I, we were not being evicted, but the owner of our house was selling because the market had just crashed. He was underwater in the house, and so he was going to sell the house that we were renting in. And we were getting a great deal, $1,800 a month. It was cheaper. It was a full house. And we were just like, this is a great deal. And all of a sudden, we had to be out. But then at that time, the rental market was skyrocketing. So I looked at my wife, and I was just thinking, what are we going to do? So through a series of situations, we were going to buy a house, which just made no sense. But yet we had a realtor who said the city has these down payment assistance programs. So we were in on a house. We, we put down, and the city was helping us. And all of a sudden, we were going to get into a house. And then we had this certain window before this house was going to go into foreclosure, and the bank was going to repossess it. And you have to put earnest money that you're not going to get back. You're saying, hey, I will do this deal, and you give them the money. So I had everything that I could I put into that earnest money to try and get this house. And then the city inspector had to come through and do the inspections. So Some of you right now know what it's like to work with city inspectors. It's not always pleasant. And so the city inspector came out, and she had to check the roof. She had to check the patio. She had to check the furnace. She had to check the AC. had to check the electrical. And she didn't want to check anything. (laughs) She was just not a happy person. And she, she, she had to get up on the roof, and she looked at me, and she said, you don't have the right type of ladder for me to get up on the roof. I said, are you kidding me? 
Nobody told me I had to have a special ladder for you to climb up on the roof. And I was so frustrated because I'm days away from losing my earnest money, from losing this house, from being homeless. And I was thinking, God, what are you doing? God, I'm going to be homeless. I can't afford an apartment. I could probably afford this house because I got this help. So, God, what are you doing? And turns out that that lady, because she said no, and she said, guess what? But I can come back this next day. And because she delayed that one inspection, she was able, when she came back, to take care of all the inspections so I could close in the house. And I look back on it at the time. It seemed like the worst thing. Like, are you kidding me? Just get up on the dadgum ladder and go up there. Or can I expect it for you? I'll go up there. You won't climb up on my ladder? You got a problem with my ladder? It's not good enough for you? You're hurting my ladder's feelings here. (laughs) But really, we don't see what God's doing. It's a silly illustration. But sometimes we do that in a relationship. We feel like, oh, man, if if I just had that relationship, man, I'd be set. If I just had that job, I'd be set. And then once, once we're in it, then, then, then we don't have it or something. Then we just feel like, man, I'm dying inside. God, what are you doing? And God here is reminding us, guess what? It's not death. It's not death. It's dirt. And dirt is doing work. You see, the reason I'm convinced, and I told my wife this this week. I said, the reason I feel like I'm convinced that it's so hard to wait and to trust God is because we actually don't think it's ever going to happen. That's the reason why we struggle. Is we in our minds... And some of us, we've been Christian for a long time, and we would never say it out loud, but it's what we actually feel. We don't actually feel that God's ever actually going to come through. That's why we have a hard time waiting. It's easy for me to wait when I know it's a sure thing. This afternoon is not a sure thing with the, with the football team, is it? So there's a little anxiety. Who's going to win? Guess what? I don't care. So I have no anxiety. I'm, I'm going to take a nap this afternoon. I'm going to have a good time. It's going to be fun. I don't care what's on TV. I'll, I'll watch it later. I didn't watch the McGregor fight, and it's a good thing I didn't. It was only 41 seconds long. TKO, all right? You pay pay-per-view? I'm sorry. You're out 65 bucks for nothing. But it's amazing that we, we wait on these things, and we feel like, God, you're never going to come through. But guess what? That's not true. God has actually always come through. There are times in our life that you need to just take inventory on your past and say, you know what? God, you came through here, and God, you came here through here, and you need to rehash those stories and say, God, you've actually never let me down. You may not have given me what I asked for when I asked for it, but you did give me something. You did get me through. And guess what? It's actually better than what I would have wanted. I know it's hard and it's a tough pill to swallow. But guess what? In hindsight, we realize I'm not dying. God just planted me. And he's doing a great work right here. He's doing something. Would you write this down? We're often ignorant to all that God is doing around us. Can we just humble ourselves for a moment and just recognize that we are ignorant to all that God is doing? Because sometimes we feel like, God, my way is the best way. I just, I just know what we need to be doing. And God's looking up at heaven saying, you actually don't, though. I created you, and I created the world, and I created the circumstances you're in. So guess what? You're ignorant to all that God is doing. God is saying, hey, I'm trying to produce a harvest with your life, but yet this is the situation I'm going to put you through. So I'm going to put you in that uncomfortable situation. I'm going to allow this process of the dirt. I'm going to allow it because we don't know. Isaiah 58, verse 8 and 9. If you don't have these committed to memory or don't have them on a, on a card somewhere, I encourage you to do it this week. You say, why? Here's what the scripture says. It says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Can we just for once just simply say, God, you know what? i got to trust you here. And because I'm going to step down from what I think is best, God, I'm going to let you be in control here. 
Isn't that funny we say that? God, I'm going to let you be in control. It's like, God, you are in control. God, adjust my emotions. Give me peace in this process as I'm going through it. God, would you just fill me with peace? That peace that you talk about all throughout the scripture, would you just fill me with it now? Because why? You don't know all that God is doing around you. We're ignorant. And we just need to admit that we have an ignorance to what God is doing. Also, the spiritual realm is invisible. Not only are we ignorant to what God is doing, the spiritual realm is invisible. God's kingdom, what he's doing, it's invisible. You can't always see it. You can't see what's going on when that seed is planted. You can't see all that's happening. But there's so much that's happening. There's so much that you and I, we don't have any control over. And I love 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, this is what the scriptures means when it says, no eye has seen nor ear heard. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who believe in him. God's got something prepared for you. You see, what you need to do, as soon as the moment of doubt comes in, you need to start quoting scripture to yourself saying, wait. God said he'll never leave me, never abandon me. He's, he, he, he's, he's working this out. This is going to work out. And then lastly, the reason we struggle is because we feel insecure. And that's the hardest part, isn't it? We feel like, well, if I just had that job, I'd be something. We just feel insecure. Oh, if I was just with her, man, I wouldn't feel insecure. If I was just with him, then I, would, I, I wouldn't be insecure. You know, that's kind of a lie from the devil. Because we feel like we need that to deal with our insecurity. I was watching an old movie this week. Any of you ever see the 1994 classic Disney Cool Runnings? The Jamaican bobsled team? Come on, I was watching it this week. Disney Plus. I should get a little commission for putting the plug in for them. But I was like looking at these old movies. My kids knew nothing about these movies I grew up watching. And I remember there's a part where the coach is talking to the, the lead bobsled driver. And he was asking, the, the driver was asking his coach, why did you cheat in the Olympics? And he goes on to tell him, he says, when winning is all that you know, that's all you do. You just cheat. You just cheat. You have to win. You just want it so bad. You'll do anything to win it. And then he said, and then I learned something. I learned that if I'm not enough with those medals, I'll never be enough without them. And then it hit me. That's what I do. Oh, man, if I don't have a big church, if I don't have a big building, if I don't have kids that are just like this, if I don't have a marriage just like this, what is that? It's actually my insecurity. If I'm not enough without those things, guess what? I'll never be enough with them. I'll never be enough with them. You can fill whatever you want into your life that you think is going to work. And if it doesn't have the name Jesus on it, guess what? It's not going to satisfy like you think it will. Only Jesus will satisfy like you want him to. And it's only him when we come to that point where we're saying, you know what? I'm frustrated. I just feel like I'm dying. I feel like this is over. God is saying, guess what? Because you're looking at all these other things, you're not trusting me. You see, I love it how the wise gardener steps in. And the wise gardener looks at the owner of the vineyard and he tells him, hey, guess what? Let's leave it alone. Give it one more year. You've been looking at it for three years. You've been disappointed. And I, and I appreciate you three years. But guess what? Give it one more year. What is he really saying? He's really saying, then he says, hey, let me work with this dirt. Let me cultivate this dirt. We just need to let the dirt do the work, don't we? We just need to let that dirt do the work. You see, that dirt is working. That dirt is going to produce. There's nothing the gardener can do. He can add some fertilizer. He can cultivate that soil. But ultimately, you just have to let the dirt do the work. And that dirt will produce more than we can. I think it's interesting. This gardener is going to deal with the situation not at the level of the leaves. You see, a lot of us, when we see something not producing, we're looking for that fruit. Where's the fruit? It's supposed to be on the leaves. 
Is there any fruit? There's not. But what does the gardener say? He doesn't say, hey, let me get some better pesticides. That's why it's not growing fruit. Let me, do, let me, let me trim it back. Maybe that's why. No. When the gardener wants more fruit, he goes to the root. You see, when God wants to produce something, he's going to go to the root of the problem. He's going to go to the very source of what's underneath. And that's what he's going to deal with. You know, your life and my life, we have roots. Scripture talks about them. Most of the time it talks about a root of bitterness, root of anger. It talks about negative things. And isn't that interesting? The roots that we can have in our life. You know, I can tell when I'm angry and bitter about something. Because the event could have happened years ago. But if I find myself walking down the street and a memory triggers and all of a sudden I start having a conversation in my head to that person, you know what is unresolved in my heart? That's a root of bitterness that I haven't resolved. Because years later, what am I doing? I'm still having a conversation about it. You know what that tells me? Anytime that comes up, it tells me, I I haven't dealt with that. Anytime it comes up, anytime somebody betrayed me, anytime somebody did something to me, and if that comes up years later, months later, weeks later, and I'm having a conversation, an imagined conversation, and you see this crazy guy walking down the streets of San Jose just talking to himself, saying stuff and, and doing the guess what? That's just saying I've got unresolved bitterness, unresolved anger. That's the root. And sometimes if we don't deal with that root, guess what? We're not going to produce the fruit we want in our lives. So we need to deal with it at the level of the root, not the leaves. I've joked with you how many times we try to fix our lives at the level of the leaves. So we try to project that we're successful, project that everything's going okay. And I'm not talking about we just need to be Debbie Downer all the time. Sorry if your name's Debbie out there. I'm not, it's just a saying. I'm not trying to put you down or anything. And, uh, uh, but so many times we're just trying to fix it all on the surface so that everybody just, just looks like our life is good. So we'll drive a car we can't afford because we want people to know, hey, we're successful. Look at my car. But then you see the house that they park it under. And then you see that, guess what? They never get out of their car. They get a blanket. They get a pillow. And then they just kind of cover it. No, they pay for a parking spot. They don't, they, that's all they have is that car. Or you see somebody. You'll see their social media. And you're like, man, look at their gram. Look at what they do. They are always doing fun stuff. They are always having a great time. Look at how friendly that couple is. I've told you. When I was in Hawaii last year for my 10-year anniversary, we were watching a volcano, and we saw this couple who was obviously fighting. It was obvious. Why? Because she was walking and just had that game face look, and he just kind of had his head down behind, kicking leaves, just kind of kicking dirt. And then they got over the volcano, and then he's just kind of a few feet over. She grabs him, pulls him close, and she goes, you know, she does this like, Hug pose, and I was like, oh, you know, you know she wanted a good Instagram photo. Like, he's there, so we got to pose. Like, we're happy. But then as soon as the picture was done, she pushes him away, and then she walks on. I was like, that's it. What are we trying to do? We're trying to fix our problem at the level of the leaves. Instead of dealing with the fact that we're fighting, instead of dealing with the fact that something went on, we're just trying to, hey, as long as everybody thinks we're a happy couple, then we're a happy couple. No. As long as everybody thinks I have money, then guess what? I have money. No. What have we done with the target? We've now, we're not even aiming at the target. We're not doing anything to hit that target. You see, what we need to do is start saying, God, what is the root of this problem? And how can I deal with it? And how can I get to the root so that I can produce fruit? But did you notice in scripture something that the gardener said? He said, let alone, let me put some dung on it. Now, let me bust out some Greek. All right. Dung is animal byproduct. Dung is feces. Dung smells bad. Dung is crap. That's what it is. 
but there's a connection between the amount of, sorry, crap in my life to the fruit I can produce. There's a, there's a connection. There's a connection between all this junk and all this fruit. You want that fruit? Guess what? I had to go to get it. That's why I smell funny. It's because of all that junk. You thought it was bad, but guess what? That's what it takes for that dirt to do the work. Sometimes God allows things in your life that you say, God, why is it just all this garbage, all this junk in my life? And God's like, oh, that's fertilizer. That's fertilizer. I'm building your character. I'm helping you right now. You are going to produce so much fruit. And it's amazing because a lot of us, we don't want to go through that process. That's why I've entitled this message, Finding Peace in the Process. Finding peace with the fact that God, you're just, just letting it happen. Just dung all over. Just dung everywhere. Just a bunch of dung. You know, it's amazing. We get so mad about it, don't we? We get so mad that anything smells, anything negative. We fight it. We fight it. And God's like, why are you fighting the very thing that's going to produce the result you would desire? This is the thing that I've, I have in your life. And I'm, and I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just saying, hey, you and I, we need to make peace with it. We need to make peace with the fact that God's bringing it into our life so we can let the dirt do that work that it needs to do. Because guess what? That is fertilizer that's going to produce the fruit that you want, the things that you're wanting. God says, this is the process. And many times we don't want to go through it. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, he wrote a book. I like reading some of his book called Outliers. And he talked about the Beatles. And he talked about how the Beatles' rise to fame was just kind of, uh, they just took the world by storm, right? But what many of us don't know is that for a period between 1960 to 1964, they played over 1,200 times together. Now, you say, that's great. They played 1,200 times. That's, that's awesome. No big deal. It's the Beatles. Who cares? No, no, you don't understand. Most groups won't even play half that time in their career. They were playing almost once a day together, like live. Why do you, that's how they got so good. You see, Malcolm Gladwell has this 10,000-hour rule where he says, hey, to master something, to get good at something, it takes 10,000 hours. You see, for several years, they were nobody. They didn't have anything. And all of a sudden, we think, overnight success. No, no, no. They were just pouring on the fertilizer, pouring on the fertilizer, just pouring it on, just pouring it on. You look at somebody and you envy something of their life, Don't ask them, hey, how did you get your millions? How did you get your car? How did you get your house? Ask them about the fertilizer. Say, hey, tell me about the fertilizer. What kind of fertilizer are you using? What happened in your life? What did you go through? What disease did you fight? What problem did you have? What setback happened in your life? Because you don't get to that level without going through something hard, without going through something difficult. You see, anybody that you see that you envy their fruit, they had to fight to get it. They had to fight all the way. But that's where we understand we got to step back and say, God, give me peace through this. You see, today everybody talks about, I just need the right exposure. I just need the right exposure to the right girl, to the right guy, to the right job, to the right place. Everybody's talking about exposure. Oh, I just need, I just need my Instagram exposed. I need my music. I need my art just exposed. Everybody's talking about exposure today. But if you are getting exposure before you're ready, you're going to be exposed. You see, too many times we're wanting to, hey, show off what we have, and guess what? It ain't ready yet. It's not ready. And we need to trust God and say, God, you know when I'm ready. My wife and I, we were having a conversation about this exact same thing, about being ready. And it's one of those things where you just say, is it ready yet? I don't know. I'll just know when I'm ready. It's hard to know. 
And so you and I, we have to trust God and say, you know what? It's going to happen, God. I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to work in this relationship. But God, I need this peace in the process. Because when God gives you exposure, he wants you to be ready. We quote Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But did you notice something? Joshua said something about his house was going to serve the Lord. But before he said our house is going to serve the Lord, he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Who did he start with? He said, me. It starts with me. So many times we want everybody else to have it right and we ignore working on ourselves. That's what this whole series is about and that's why it's a difficult series. Because we're saying, hey, at the outset of this year, what is the target and how is my trajectory? Have I been aligning my life with that target? I want to get closer to God. So am I doing the 21-day fast that we're doing? Hey, so am I praying every day? Hey, am I reading God's word? Am I worshiping God? What am I doing? Am I having a quiet time with God? What am I doing to align myself with God? Hey, I want to have a better marriage. Hey, what am I doing to work on that marriage? Am I going to read any marriage books this year? Am I going to work on any of this? I want to be better at parenting. Am I going to read a parenting book? Am I going to go to a parenting seminar? Am I going to spend more time with my children? What am I going to do? Don't just wish for it. Wishing is not a strategy. We've got to step back and say, God, you're doing something here. But then thirdly, lastly, would you write this down? And would you write this down more of as a declaration that the seed is still on schedule? Look at verse number 9. You see, the owner of the vineyard says, if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. If not, you can cut it down. There's kind of a mixed bag. It's kind of like, I don't know if this is going to happen, right? But here's what I learned about fig trees. I did a little research on fig trees this week. And I realized as I was studying, and I didn't know this before, but that a fig tree, before it ever produces any harvest, it takes three years before it will ever produce any fruit. Did you catch what verse 6 said? He said, for the last three years, I've been disappointed because there's been no fruit. Here's what I know, what the gardener knew that the owner of the vineyard did not know. You see, the owner did not know, hey, for three years, this thing's not going to produce. But on that fourth year, it's going to produce. You see, the gardener knew the seed was still on schedule. You see, the gardener knew it was still going to happen. That's why the gardener was just kind of like, don't worry, just give it one more year. Why could he say one more year with confidence? Because he knew, guess what, this next year it's going to produce. But not only do four fig trees take three years before they ever produce, but also the fig tree is the only tree that can actually produce fruit in every single season. You see, I've got a peach tree. It only produces fruit in the fall and autumn, that season. I've got orange trees. Guess what? Right now I've got oranges. I had a lemon tree. I killed that somehow, and that one's gone. But certain trees give off certain fruit in a certain season, but a fig tree can give off fruit in every season. As a matter of fact, you won't get just one harvest out of a fig tree. You could potentially get three to four harvests out of, in a single year out of that fig tree. What's that tell me? God knows exactly your potential. He knows exactly how much he can get from your life. But before he can take that out of your life and have you produce that, guess what? He's got to put some fertilizer. He's got to wait. But your life is packed full with potential. But you and I have to make peace with the process. We have to say, you know what, right now I just got to make peace with this. I remember in 2005, uh, went to college in 2002, and uh, just, just I was homeschooled, and uh, I can make all kinds of jokes about homeschooling. I won't, and uh, you've heard them all, so I need to come up with some new ones. 
But uh, so there was no, nobody to date in my school since I was homeschooled, okay? If I was from Arkansas, maybe that'd be okay, but I'm not. So I'm from California, so that's frowned upon. So there was just no dating, nothing, all right? I went to a small church, and then nothing there. So when I got to college, it was like, yippee, you know, let's go date, you know? And I I just couldn't wait to ask people out. And I was just asking them out left and right, you know? Didn't care if I got shot down, just kept asking. Just kind of girl crazy, all right? And that's what happens when you're just pent up in a little homeschooler group. Okay, you just there's nobody there, and then you get to college, and you're like, there's girls, all right, excellent. And uh, so, so you just start asking them out, and man, I just I was so frustrated, so frustrated. You say, why? Because I just couldn't get a girlfriend. Man, I would get into a relationship, something would happen, I was just so frustrated, frustrated. And then one day, we had dorm supervisors, you could call them a dorm dad, dorm mom, whatever. And uh, he was saying, you know, one day I just stopped worrying about it. And all of a sudden, that's when God brought the one into my life. He said, I just gave it to him. I just, I just stopped looking. I was like, that's great advice. I ain't going to do it. And, uh, you know, it went on my merry way. And I seriously, that was 2004 when he told me that. And, man, I just, I just kept on going. And guess what? Just relationship after relationship. And they just, it was bad. You know, you get into a relationship, you get out of one, and it's just like, you know, it's that nasty feeling. And it's just kind of like, you know, and then people at campus start hating on you, and you start getting a reputation. And then, and then, then word travels really fast, you know, especially in a small Christian college. It's like, don't date him. He's bad, you know. And so you get this little rep. And uh, then finally in 2005, summer of 2005, I was just like, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. God, you, you want to bring the person to my life? That's great. I'm just, I'm whatever, bachelor to the rapture, that's me, you know, it's just, it's all good, you know, uh, celebrate celibacy, that'll be me, you know, uh, single awareness month, you know, it's just, it's, it's all, it's all good, you know, I, it's fine, Paul had his cross, this will be my cross, whatever, and I was just, I, I really got to the point where I was just content, because I was tired of the drama, I was just tired of it, and I know some of you have been married for decades and all that, you got an awesome marriage, let me just talk to the people that you're struggling for a little bit. I was there too. And then, all of a sudden, the moment, I kid you not, it was like I gave it up to God and I really was okay with it. None of this, this like, let me Instagram, I'm okay. And then you see me with Ben and Jerry's and chocolate and everything. It wasn't one of those. It was like, legit, I was okay. I really was. And that's the morning where I saw this Filipino girl jogging. And I was just like, I'm not okay anymore. I mean, it's like, there we go. I'm not, you know, it's like, she's running, and I started chasing, you know, and it was just like, it was on. No, no, it was just like, at that moment, God was like, I got this. This is the girl. This is it. She didn't know it. She didn't accept it. She didn't believe it. She was not right with God. It took her a couple years, but all of a sudden, guess what? It worked out. But it's not for the moment. We just surrender, and we make peace with the process. Until we just say, you know what, God, you're doing something here, and the seed is still on schedule. God, you're, you're working this out. There's so many things we could fight, and we could fight, and we could fight. Some people don't know this, but uh, Jane and I, for about five years, were trying to have kids. You don't, you don't know this. We've never talked about this. And we just, we, 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 I wanted, she was done at Megan Austin. She was done. I was praying. I was praying. I was like, man, we got one more. Come on, one more. And it was year after year. She knows I'm from a big family. She's like, I got the boy. I got the girl. You go see the doctor. You know, that, that's, that's kind of how that conversation wanted to go. And then so I was praying about it. I was just like, oh, come on, one more, one more, you know. And then it took us five years. It took us five years. And now I look at Cain, and I'm just like, well, my life would not be complete without it. 
You know, and it's just that, that frustration. And you get so frustrated by it. Or if you just step back and say, God, give me peace. Just give me the peace. If i got to go through it, let me, let me have the peace. Here's what I've realized. If I'm doing something and God's not giving me peace, I probably shouldn't be doing it. And that hurts, doesn't it? If I'm dating somebody I shouldn't be dating and I'm asking for peace and God's not giving the peace, maybe that's not the one. If I'm at a job and I'm asking for peace and God's not giving me peace, guess what? Maybe. Maybe. Because God says in Ephesians, my grace is sufficient. Or excuse me, 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you. So God's grace is there. And if God is not giving me the grace, maybe it's something I shouldn't be involved in. Maybe at that moment I step back and say, okay, God, where is your peace at? Where do I need to align my life with that peace, God? I want that peace. I can go through this if I have your peace. But you know the most frustrating thing about this story? Is it ends at verse number nine. Like, did we get figs? Did we get fig newtons? Like, did we make anything? Like, where are the figs at? Like, the story just ends at verse number nine. It's kind of frustrating. I mean, Jesus, you tell this story about this gardener, and then you just kind of end it. But then he didn't really end it, did he? Because in verse number 10, he goes into a story about he's at the Sabbath. And on Sabbath day, guess what happens? It's on the Sabbath that there's a woman who she, for eight years, has not been able to stand up straight. And for those eight years, she's had to live like that. But yet she's at the temple. And it's at the temple that Jesus ends up healing her. And Jesus heals her and restores her. What is Jesus saying? You know what? All those years, she just waited. She just waited. But where was she going? She was going to the temple. She didn't know what, when the healing would happen. She didn't know when God was going to restore her. But guess what? She just finds herself at this place. And it's in that place where all of a sudden God says, hey, guess what? I'm going to heal you. But I think it's interesting. Because the Pharisees say, hey, there's six days, Jesus, for you to do a miracle. And you waited till the Sabbath day. You waited till now to do that miracle. And I feel like that's what you and I are doing. We're like, God, you waited till now? You couldn't have done this a long time ago? You couldn't have done this last week or the week before? God's timing is perfect. God's timing is absolutely perfect. And what you and I have to do is say, God, okay, deep breath. I'm going to trust your timing on this. I'm going to trust that you know what's best. I'm going to trust that, you know what, when you bring the job, I'll be ready for it. When you bring the person, I'll be ready for it. When you bring the finances, I'll be ready for it. Some of us are praying for things, and God's like, if I give it to you now, it'll destroy you. It'll wreck you. You're not ready for it. You'll destroy everything around you. I'll finish with the last illustration. I've been reading a lot of books, and uh, I like to read secular and sacred. I like to kind of go back and forth. And for whatever reason, I've been reading all these business books, uh, all these business books. And they're, they're people you would know that run these huge companies. And they all started having this reoccurring thing. They all became successful, and here's what they said. They said, we picked the career, and we blew up our first marriage. That's just what they said. They said it happened. They didn't mean it. They didn't want it to, but they said there was like a connection. It's like, man, I went after this, and man, I, I made it, but guess what? It cost me in the process. And one of the guys said, I don't know if you can have both. He said, I, I don't know. He said, for me, it wasn't possible. I believe that God can bring us these things when we're ready. But sometimes we chase things and we think, man, I want this now. But then it costs us something along the line that we say, you know what, I didn't, I didn't want to get here but not have them. So how do I make peace with this process? God, help me to make peace right now. 
Because I feel like even as a church, even as a body, we can be like, God, I just want to be there. I just want to get there. How, how soon do we get there? You know, we're always looking to the horizon, looking to the future. Instead of just saying, you know what, here's pretty good. It's good. Got my wife, children, ministry. Got that. It's good. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. We're always looking for that. Oh, man, what? I got to do this and this. That's our insecurity. Call it out. Say, hey, why do you feel like this? Why do you feel like you need that? What is driving this insecurity? Why can't you just trust God? And say, God, you, you know my desires. You know when the timing's right. I'm praying over this. I'm seeking you. I feel like that'll serve our sphere of influence so well. Whether you have children, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, that'll serve everybody so well if we learn peace in the process. Can we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Father, we need your that peace that passes all understanding. Father, would you help us? God, we need to go against the cultural norm. Culture says hustle, hard work, keep going, sacrifice whatever you had to. But yet I feel like you've got a better way for us. Help us to seek that. Lord, we need you. Help us to work against when anxiety seems to attack us. Help us have hearts that are guarded from this idea that we have to consume, we have to be further, we have to do more. Help us to be at peace. Let that peace work in our life. Help us to remember that the dirt is working. It's working. The seed is on schedule. It's right on time. And help us to be at peace. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.